There was uh, recently uh, uh, some, you know, talk about the upcoming presidential election. And, uh, you know, look, I'm going some more with this. I know, I know. It was boring. Like Mitt Romney saying he might run and then kind of being warned by the Koch brothers not to and by not being invited to their conference and then dropping out and uh, all that kind of stuff. But there, there is some possibility of some entertainment because, you know, Sarah Palin still thinks of herself like, well, she's still uses the idea of running to market herself, right? Well, a lot of people try to say she's insincere, um, but she does run, like, or say she's going to run for shit, right? Yeah. And and people, maybe, like, people are starting to question kind of like her, like, she's always just been filled with non-sequiturs and insanity, but, like, now people are kind of, you know what I mean, saying that, you know, more. And uh, there's, there's this... um. And anyway, there's this little clip. I thought this is a pretty, it's a pretty good clip of Sarah Palin from a very recent event somewhere. Uh, so, what the media will do all throughout 2016 to all of us, it's going to take more than a village to beat Hillary. <laughs> sexism, whatever. Really, it's, it's kind of Orwellian observing how that works, that rule of Saul Alinsky's, no doubt, that the left employs. Disgusting charges from the left that reverse them. You know, for it is they who point a finger, not really, they have triple that amount of fingers pointing right back at them, revealing that they are the ones who really discriminate and divide on color and class and sex. We call them out. We don't let them get away with it then. On, the, on gender. Uh, so, okay. So, the, I, I mean, obviously what she's saying is bullshit. But, like, the, the point the finger and the three-pointed back, like... And I, there was a point in there where she sounded like... Um, she was like preaching a little bit and oh, yeah. also like she was getting words like fed to her through an earpiece like she just says things that it's like making sense making sense no i'm not making sense i'm making sense words big words sovereignty are you sovereignty with these people they don't even know what that means yeah I, I mean it's 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 amazing sometimes how she can like, fit in those, I don't know, like, I guess non sequiturs and nonsense and just, like you said, but the finger thing, I don't know, I don't even know how to, <laughs> how to properly dissect that, like, the, the for the finger, for, for every finger is pointed, there are three fingers pointed at you, <laughs> like, what? think, point not at the finger, <laughs> it points at you. 
What um what is her title right now? What is she doing? She's the lady who is on TV sometimes. Talking puppet for the GOP. You know she. But then she's kind of telling them that mm, hey GOP, you know she's trying to be different. You got to do these things. So she's just she going rogue. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) I I think. uh, You betcha. Uh, so, um, Speaking I, of the Palin family. Yeah. Um, we recently made a bet as to how long we could watch the Bristol Palin show. Oh. Before <laughs> you. Because <laughs> yes. I have a much higher tolerance yeah. because I watch things like The Bachelor. So, my tolerance for terrible television is like, you know, so high. I could really watch pretty much anything like Gilligan's Island on a sunny Sunday afternoon at three in the afternoon. I'm just kidding. But um, I think we put bets. I put a bet at like two minutes, seven seconds. And I think we just picked a random episode. Yeah, and it did, we didn't get anywhere near the two minutes and seven seconds. Uh, last week's Bristol Palin adventure. You're right. I couldn't even give Hess the recap without, like, you know, whining. And I said, just wait. Just I said, this doesn't even really count. Like, you know, it's going to be different. And then, what did she do in the, in this episode? Do we do we kind of fast? We kind of fast forward. That's not the. Is that the one where she gets yelled at by people because of her mom's intolerance? Yeah, probably. Huh. But she's just so scary. It's like it's it's this. Is it the next Kardashian family? I think the Kardashians kind of kind of got rose into fame around the same time as the Palins, and they've shown the to be the sounder strategist and you know <laughs> better business people though, because Palins. You know, Palin had this whole, like, grifter thing set up, but it it kind of was based on her political relevance. That's why I think you're right about, like, joking about the Maverick aside, like, I think that is basically on point that, like, she is um, getting into these phony feuds with other right-wingers, like the Bill O'Reilly kind of people, taking umbrage with them. Because with over bullshit, because she does want to somehow come, you know, make herself relevant again. I think by being combative. Yeah, well, I think that's kind of what she's known for—that kind of firecracker, like the media. Mm. Oh, and you know, she, she, this and that, and just she, her tone and the way she talks she, about things. She'll turn on you in a second, and you know what? That really does matter in Republican politics. I mean, I'm not, I'm, and I'm not implying that it doesn't matter in Democratic politics. But what I'm thinking of specifically is recent history and and the Bushes. Think about all the people in the around the Bushes that get hung out to dry. All the people like Lewis Libby, uh, Cheney's chief of staff, who was like blamed for the whole um, Valerie Plame affair. You know um, how uh, Bush would always fire. Um, his uh, aides that t- told him the truth, like when Larry Lindsay told him that his uh, 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 relatively 
truthful things about, I think it was his tax cuts or whatever. He was just laid off unceremoniously as the economic advisor. Paul O'Neill at the Treasury Department wrote that book that was very, you know, disgruntled after he left. Uh, Colin Powell after he left, you know what I mean? But these people were all hung out to dry by the party. You know what I mean? It's not like, like they certainly came out and said, look, we don't we don't like this Bush guy, right? Think about, think about even like a heck of a job brownie, right? Michael Brown, like the way that guy's image got hung out to dry, like Bush... You know what I mean? Bush put the focus on him, maybe accidentally, by praising him, even though he did a terrible job at Katrina, like with whatever. He remember he was with the uh, FEMA or something, and, and he was like, he did a terrible job. The guy, I think, had a, his main um, his main experience had been with Arabian racing horses or something. You know what I mean? Like, he was this guy, I don't know exactly, but he was this guy who was, like, not only unqualified, but poor at the work and you know anyway but these people all get hung out to dry like with the bushes like it, it's a long story i mean you're talking about foreign business partners you're talking about a lot of people you know what i mean who like who work with the bushes and then you know what i mean people, people try to get close to power uh, 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 it, and uh their sons that's uh that's i i'm slow tonight i think because i'm not sure where uh what, what heads uh we're talking about Oh yeah, well there you go. I mean, if you go on a long enough timeline, he Rumsfeld, with the bushes. Rumsfeld was shaking his <laughs> hand, and then Rumsfeld was the defense secretary. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, look at uh, look at Gaddafi. Although that actually happened under Obama later, right? But there were people, Tony Blair and John McCain, were visiting Gaddafi, and then they they went after him later. So. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, so uh, newly elected Afghan. President, watch out. <laughs> Ding! No, I don't know. So, uh, there's a... Um, so this is a this is a kind of a mock serious documentary on YouTube about Christian Weston Chandler, the guy who uh, who does the Sonichu uh, um, uh, comic strip on the web. The guy, um, the guy uh, who was um, recently um, accused of pepper spraying a GameStop employee because of the uh, the color of Sonic's arms. <laughs> this guy. I don't think I know this guy. Do I know this guy? I I feel like I've shown you um, some uh, some videos by him before. He's, he's I know um, about Sonic fan art. And... Oh, oh yeah, bad Sonic fan art is a is a Twitter account that I follow. But like, oh, this is a guy. Um, okay, so he writes. Um, a, well, I don't know if he hasn't come out with editions for a while, but he he's this guy who um he has a comic book that he published on the web for years, and it was like a ridiculous combination <laughs> of Sonic the Hedgehog and Pikachu, and so he called it Sonichu. Oh no, I never heard of this. So he was on uh he 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 uh 
uh, like of course became like this magnet for internet trolls and of like course. <laughs> and there's so there's this video that these people did it's an hour and nine minutes long <laughs> there's so much material I think he should say thug life, but, um... Uh. rough life. I've had an abusive babysitter at one time. Christian's symptoms of autism did not occur until he was of two to three years old, around the time of a peculiar incident. One time while Christian's parents were out on the town, Chris was left with a babysitter to make sure he was safe. Three-year-old little Chris wanted to go tell his babysitter something, but she was on the phone. Alright, so anyway, I mean, I don't know. They're recounting a lot of stuff. Let's skip forward and see if things get kind of interesting. Okay, so now they're... We're up to 2007. While the event with Megan was still going on, a side story called the Adam Stackhouse Saga emerged in June of 2007. Christian entered a video game contest to win over Megan's heart. Parappa in the contest, the you have to sing and rap mm -hmm. a song from the video game, mm -hmm. Parappa the Rapper. Ah! <laughs> This is stop, Christian stop, stop. Mm. Hey, D-Station. My name is Christian Chandler. I live in Bucksville, Virginia. I have a PSP. I like to rap. I play with the rapper. I go with you now. The only song I know is Master Onion, which I got from a demo. Is this Christian? This is not even halfway through. Like, uh, there's. Fourteen Bachelor Court, zip code two two nine six eight, and uh, my home phone number is four three four nine nine zero seven one nine eight. My cell phone being seven six zero zero eight four eight. So they took all these videos and they made a movie of his life. Under right, the, the trolls have archived everything that he's ever put off. Julie, and he, Blue Spike would end up getting he gets involved in all these sagas with trolls, these really fake relationships. Speaking in a bad falsetto voice that Chris managed to fall for. After odd demands from Julie, Chris would label Billy Mays of all people, the man who does the OxyClean commercials, <laughs> as the mayor of CWC Bill or Quickville. Chris would also produce so people, the infamous blow-up has been viewed by millions of people. Let's see of course, okay, okay, so people manipulated his comic book by, like, by trolling him? So he has, okay, so CWCville is the city that his, like, uh, comic book universe primarily happens in. It's like, uh, it's, it's like his Gotham City, you know, to hit... To his, he like he's in Rockersville, Virginia. Like I think they they were just kind of pointing out. I think like in that segment where we jumped in that he uh, he gives away his address for some mysterious reason and and like so he's in Virginia there. But 
but like he's in his comic book has a parallel universe but it has a similar mall and stuff like that in mm-hmm. high school and it sometimes like um involves characters you know dealing with people like there's a few famous incidents that he's dealt with and the thing like because because i guess like they don't, i don't know they probably explain somewhere in the movie but, but he but he's always on, he's on a, a quest for uh, <laughs> a, a boyfriend free girl a true and honest uh girl that's his so that that's his quest and and he'll like um he'll he he'll wear his medal and he'll sometimes have a sign to try to get the women to know about his quest and some sometimes the authorities get in the way of that I am not exactly sure. The trolls are just, I guess, people on the internet. Like, they maintain, like, a wiki about him. It's, I think it's sonichu.com. You know, like, I'm not sure what the history is. If maybe, maybe Chris started that site and they took it over. So I'm not sure. But the trolls, there's, there's, like, a lot of them, you know? Like, there's just, there's the internet, it's just people on the internet that are decide like you know there's a lot of different motives and in fact they discuss it sort of like there's they they say it's anywhere from like people there's people that are that are just kind of like being mean then there's people that are just interested sociologically and then there's people all the way in between like people that like the wiki itself admits some of the people there are i feel like like they're like Chris is a short distance from where they are and Chris is just, you know what I mean? Like, Chris is a cautionary tale or something like that. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it can be a lot. So I'm just saying, like, even the wiki itself speculates as to why the trolls do what they do. And they have different words. Like, like, like they have different terminology. Like, there's white knights who aren't really, like, trolls, but they kind of are. But they're people who think they're helping him. But, I mean, they're just as much trolling him, right? Like, I mean, somebody just on the internet, you know what I mean? Like deciding you're going to help somebody or or explain things to them you know what i mean like really that's probably just another form of trolling the liquid saga is something most would agree to be the most fun one and not just another attempt to ruin christian's life although it was still at the expense of chris like most of the sagas the number one most memorable thing to emerge was liquid chris a man pretending to be christian imitating him down to his every detail emerged, sporting a Sonichu medallion made out of paper and a striped polo shirt. Chris soon replied in anger, not because someone was mocking him and his mannerisms, but because he saw it as someone stealing his own identity. Chris eventually came to the conclusion that the imitator was known as Ian Brandon Anderson, but many call him Liquid Chris, and the real Christian Weston Chandler, Solid Chris. Liquid and Solid had many showdowns, better Kristen Weston so so I mean do you see the depth of that the guy has a whole outfit that he wears that's one of the more involved trolls we're gonna watch this whole thing from start to finish like I want to watch the whole hour I mean because here's the thing our trolls 
I mean, this is a lot of effort. <laughs> oh, yeah. This guy is wearing, like, clothes to, like, look like him and everything. Like, I mean, this is from a, years, from a few years ago. But there's there's tons of people like that doing that kind of thing. Like, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I agree. <laughs> people, people, uh, so people take this, people take it seriously. So you just showed me uh, a uh, uh, an image that you had created in um, in an app called Comic Book. Yeah. So you gave me the free download from Starbucks. Right. Well, I picked up one of those cards. Yeah, and it's a pretty awesome app. So it has the it has three tabs. The first tab. Um, it's all your different layouts. So you have, you know, a ton of crazy cool comic book layouts. And then you have um, all the cool like speech bubbles and headlines and titles and kind of like that kind of stuff. And then you have like the POWs and the, you know, stars and the all that kind of stuff. Now you have to pay for the booms and the bams and everything, but you know everybody, every app's got to make some money. It's got the in-app purchase model, like pretty much everybody these days, yeah. Yeah, and you can um, you can drag in like uh, all kinds of photos, and then like here, like I they have like a little like dinosaur eye, so I can like put like a dinosaur eye on you, and then you can export it, and um, and I think you can do it to like pages you can make pages books you know you can make like a whole story like you can also you can look a panel at a time and then do it all together and then you can you know do the facebook twitter instagram you can print it um and then for each photo you can add like you know that comic book shading coloring they have like sketches and they have um like you know dot patterns and um, just all kinds of like effects um, and that you can like adjust the levels on and get really creative with so you know you can take you can make like a, a cool comic book um, of like a trip or a day or something and um, it gives it kind of like a, a cool little factor and I don't know it's just something fun to do I love I love photo apps that let you like put a bunch of photos in and create things and uh, make it fun like I'm gonna put a dinosaur I am this cup of coffee. Doesn't that look cool? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that's cool. From from uh, where I where I'm sitting, I, you know, I can and let me see a little of it, but uh, yeah, like that is very cool. Yeah, and you can bring in photos from Facebook, um, your phone, um, I think Flickr. So it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, seeing it um, on the App Store just because I'm interested in uh, checking it out myself, and uh, it, uh, it it's it's called Comic Book with an exclamation point next to it, right? Is that what? Yeah. Um, okay, 
So that's cool because um, I uh, I just wanted to uh, to to check that and put it in the show notes. So you can um, you can find the show notes uh, at uh, djmcloud.com slash sixty four, and then look for podcast one forty three. And we are recording on February. Fourth, twenty fifteen, and uh, thanks for joining me, Jessica. Thanks for having me, as always. And uh, we'll uh, be back after this break. This is a band called Cloud Nothings. Um, uh, they're, I guess they're originally from the Cleveland area, uh, somewhere around there, somewhere in Ohio. Uh, and um, this uh, last album by uh, them uh, is pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Cloud seems to be a really popular word these days. Yeah, do you think that's uh, played a uh, part in them getting uh, a little bit of notice uh, that they have a, what is it, a kind of a whimsical name or something? Yes, I think it's definitely on trend with this whole infatuation with the cloud. Oh, yeah. Magicness that happens in the cloud. Yeah, um... If you go into uh, the cloud of the internet uh, and <laughs> look for a theme, I have uh, uh, I've um, recently uh, released the 1.0.0 version of my Portage Bay theme for WordPress. So Hooray! yeah, it's um you know it it uses. The materialized CSS library um, front end uh, stuff, so it has a sort of an Android influenced look. Uh, it is, uh, you know, that's their latest buzzword: uh, material design, uh, whatever. You know, like uh, they, you know, so it has like big text. It, it's very, uh, uh, you know, uh, readable. Uh, it ha- it's responsive has a left sidebar you can configure and then that becomes the bottom sidebar on uh, mid-size and smaller screens and then uh, there's two lower sidebars too just thrown in but they disappear if you don't put anything in them and then uh, you know it has a it has one of those navs you know how P, uh, it, you know cutting edge websites I guess you know it's just kind of expected that you have some kind of up-to-date navigation right some kind of uh, tool people can get around quickly to get what they want and um, a lot of uh, sites use uh, are using uh, drop down. So especially when when uh, when the site goes um, to mobile, when it's on loading on a mobile uh, phone or on uh, often on a tablet, the uh, upper left or upper right, depending on the kind of the convention, the style, will have a button in it. Uh, a three-line button has gotten pretty common. There's the kind of nine-pane button that you've noticed in some places, and that might be a little more elegant looking, but the three-bar the three, uh, hamburger button has become pretty uh, 
popular in terms of you know design anyway so often that will um when clicking that will bring a menu popping down right but sometimes it will pop over and what i mean by that is instead of coming you know instead of uh um appearing you know the navigation appearing when uh and 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 coming from the top down uh when that button is clicked when that hamburger button or whatever is clicked it comes from the left side to the right or to the middle it mm -hmm. becomes so it becomes this uh vertical nav i guess uh you know it's it's uh uh it's a uh, kind of the convention that you see in Android apps. So anyway, that's the type of nav that this thing has. It has that left, you know, vertical nav when you get to a smaller size screen. And you know, one of the things you're seeing too, and I didn't do it for this, but some people are setting it so that you just have that mobile style nav, whatever size page you load. Have you noticed that sometimes is that that little button will appear in, in like sites of almost any size now? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's conditioning people, right, to get used to looking for the hamburger button, as you call it, which I think is the most adorable name ever for anything in technology. Right up there with little cats. The hamburger <laughs> button. That one ties in nicely. But no, it's I think it's, it's a great theme, and, um, you know, you make it really easy to edit and, and modify to how you know, the person wants it to fit their needs. And yeah. I mean, there's a lot of websites out there that are not responsive and all the new ones are. And, you know, this is just kind of the way that the design trend is going that, you know, while, while I've seen actually some, some really over-engineered, over-designed, overdone things with this cool new technology that we have with websites and being responsive and everything, um, I've seen some good stuff too, but then there's just so many sites out there that, you know, when you look up on a mobile phone, it just completely fails the user. And I think more and more businesses need to realize that there, everybody's on their phone, you know, and really take that screen size into consideration. And like you said, even maybe the watch, which is even smaller. That's what's coming up, right? I think that these, um, these uh, CSS front end uh, uh, frameworks, uh, things like Bootstrap and Materialize and Foundation, um, the, you know, they have these grid systems. And the question is, you know, what are the different types of sizes that you can, you know, define for uh, in terms of the grid acting differently uh, for different types of, of screens? And you know, you have like, um, you know, mobile or, you know, phone, small stuff, and then you have tablet, and then you have computer screen. And then the fourth, I think, previously was big screen monitor, big wide screens. Right. Now it's moving to extra small, whether you're talking about compact mobile phones or traditional mobile phones compared to the kind of, you know, large tablet size things that both iPhone and Android users are, are now walking around with in some cases. Like, you know, I. Uh, and like you said, the watch. So you have to go, you have to have an extra small um, size. And I think Bootstrap 4 might have that. They might have extra small, small, medium, and large, or something like that in their grid system. The thing is, it's oh, it's always been about the user. You know, it's always been about their experience. Um, it's yeah. always been about the content. And I think people don't really care 
like they want to be able to access the content on any screen on my tv screen on my phone on my computer on my ipad on your android device on my watch like on my you know um i'm trying to think of what like um any device you know on your um psp you know on the new nintendo thing i mean it's content. I want to be able. I have a device that connects me to the internet. I want to be able to grab it, and you know, I think as developer, with with that plus the onslaught of all these new languages and all these new programming things. Yeah. There's just tools. There's like a there's a lot going on right now. Yeah, there certainly is. So what do you what do you think the needs to happen right now in the industry i mean should everybody just go get a responsive website like what's what's the best thing for everybody to do i think really i guess it depends on you know obviously your budget and your abilities but if if you have a website um if you have a website that uh maybe is i don't want to say under control if you if you have a website that's simply enough design that you can put a container you know, you, that, it, that it sits in, in a container like a div that you can style a little bit. I mean, you know, this is pretty basic. Then you can do things like setting the max image width to 100%. Then when people um, make their, uh, you know, uh, screen uh, smaller or if they just load on a small screen, the image won't blow up over the the screen size. It'll just get as small as the width of the screen. And you may, make sure to... You know, use uh, uh, there's some techniques to make sure that the width uh, is 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 appropriately proportioned to the height, and you know, just you know, you get a few little bits of CSS like that that you'll find in some of those front end frameworks we were talking about, like you know, uh, in a lot of cases, it, it, just stuff like that, and all, and then suddenly your images are working a lot more cooperatively, and you can, you know. Um, you know, you can style uh, your uh, your site. You know, to have uh, um, uh, sidebars that are extraneous disappear. But you know, I guess that you, you run into some difficulties. Like, it's it's probably easier to make a sidebar disappear based on a media query. Say, you know what I mean? Like, well, is this a phone or a tablet or is a small you know screen? Then make this sidebar disappear. Basically, is what you're doing. You know, through CSS and stuff. And but the thing about that is then um you know if you set it hidden or whatever well then you're losing that content right and we were looking recently at a um uh, a website for a local uh, yoga studio and and we were we were noticing how a lot of people liked it and it was and it seems to have gotten some good buzz in the, in the community um but but there was one little like kind of drawback to it is that there the the sidebar showed up on tablets and uh computers but it totally disappeared um the 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 the, the yeah. second kind of sidebar on a phone and and that's not very responsive right that's not the right kind of responsive because people want everything on the phone yeah. they just want it presented and in a sane way ads in there and there was and, and i mean Is like important um, stuff in the business more promotional ads you right know, but things. that's important having your exactly. website right yeah i mean you know and yeah and especially even if you were you had paying ads you know you'd want those to to show up well, on your course. mobile phone. Of course, your user, your, your your ad buyers would be expecting that, of course, yeah. Yeah, so that was kind of a, a down thing. And, you know, that's the thing. I mean, you have to really think about, I think, too, prioritization. Like, 
if I'm on a mobile phone and I'm accessing this business, what is it that I'm doing? You know, people have different habits when they're on their phone versus their desktop versus yeah. their tablets. It should be probably about the order the information is presented in, though, right? Like, and that can be difficult to to have it move around in a way that is uh, that's effective because sometimes, you know what I mean. You want to get the what you consider secondary content out of the way on a mobile experience, but you don't want it to completely um, fall off the radar. And that that's like, for example, with this uh, theme with Portage Bay, I have. Uh, a sidebar that's on the left and so if you notice a lot of sidebars these days are on the right on responsive sites and one of the reasons is it's a lot easier to use the automatic responsiveness of the grid systems uh, uh, to have the right sidebar fall down below than to have a sidebar on the left get out of the way and not get um, stuck on the top. I don't know if you, you know, you probably maybe have seen that where they have little sidebars on the left and then when it's on a phone, it will load before the content. So there's kind of like noise in the way, like it's getting in the way of the content. The, the reason for that, of course, is that it's hard to make the content flow around something like that. So what I do is I make it hidden below when it's on a big screen and hidden on the side when it's on a... Uh, a small screen because you know you have to find some way to make that work you know but in the in the case of like say you're, you know if you have a website that um that hides you know the thing you should just you know you should reload it somewhere else and make it visible even if that puts a strain on your resources i mean if you you know you, you should you should get the content there because i think don't people feel like it's kind of strange to people that they wouldn't get the same content on the phone and on the uh, on the computer although like you say you're absolutely right that they would have to you have to think about the user their experience and 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 what they want when they're on a device but don't you think that the ones like those old sites that used to force you on a mobile page like like often you know in the early in the terrible early days of supposedly responsive sites that were really bad and weren't actually responsive there were just those like double sites there were two different complete websites that would you know have um, you know, mobile, the mobile version and the not mobile version. And if you clicked on a f mobile phone a lot of times to a specific article, it would take you to the front page of the site. Yeah. Like, remember that experience? Yeah. Like, that's less common now, right? And now, at the very least, the sites are in one responsive package. And so it has the same content. So it's becoming an expectation, I think. I think so you have to, maybe you have it in a drop down. Maybe you have it in a link. Maybe you have it hidden in some way, but but make it discoverable at some point to people. Yeah, and, and I, I also think, you know, um, watch real people use the stuff that you build. I mean, sure. just because you're building it with code on a computer doesn't mean that real people aren't going to interact with it and you're going to, learn things about that and we you know we think you know everything's set a certain way and this is a template and so everything should just go this way but if you you know again it goes back to what are your goals what do you what do you want to achieve with the website and how are people really interacting are they finding it are they you know clicking on the things that you want them to click on or tap or whatever you know are you relying on you know mouse over hover things for information that don't work on mobile yeah, I mean, it's outdated now. Do you still now. have flash video on your website? Mm. Ding! Mm. That deserves a ding. I know. I have to. Get, I have to wake my. Um, do you have a PDF on your website? Like, unless people are downloading an actual like document, 
Like, don't put your menu as a PDF. That's only a little better than Flash, but at least, you know, most people's iPhone or Android can read a PDF, but it's still going to be a terrible experience. I mean, to, like, pinch to zoom all over oh. the stupid thing, right? Like, why can't you just put your menu on a nice responsive page yeah i mean you gotta you gotta you gotta be able to design for that and and you know you see a lot of people you see um those kinds of sites sometimes people call them parallax sites where you scroll and stuff kind of scrolls at different rates you know what i mean and stuff is behind stuff like that's become common into other things that's one trick right to allow for the fact that you are um expanding and uh shrinking in space that these sites are expected to work fairly well on a tablet and often on a phone as well, right? And so the all that, you know, all that, I don't want to call it a, a noise exactly, but I think it is from a design perspective, like of the background scrolls of stuff, you know, that stuff can be condensed and still have its basic meaning, right? Still keep its basic idea. And, the, and because of all that stuff going on um, on those pages, uh, the um, text is kind of sparse. It's a design pattern that's kind of trying to be clever and respond to the necessities of having kind of simplistic basic pages until design is kind of rebuilt again from mobile responsive up because that's the, the philosophy of like of uh, of the current versions of like I, I think foundation and bootstrap like you know popular front end themes is like it's kind of a mobile first design you know, uh, environment now. Yeah. And see a short copy is the hardest copy to write. You know, you have, yeah. it's you're bare naked. You are standing out on the stage with five to 10 words and you have to get your whole brand and what you do and how you deliver and everything mm-hmm. you need to communicate across, which is why then you have to have really powerful imagery. And I've been seeing this where people are, are using image for image sake because Facebook rewards images and Google rewards, you know, images. And we're such an every article post on Twitter now from any kind of publication trying to get attention major or small has to have an embedded image in the picture. Absolutely. Because, you know, I mean, when's the last time you saw something, you know, that didn't have an image. And so, you know, yeah. what people are doing is they're going to ThinkStock and, you know, Getty Images and, you know, other, you know, image sites and yeah. probably just Google search and not even crediting people. And they're picking these images that don't really make sense. Think of that image as a thousand free words, right? A picture is worth a thousand words. You need to put thought and energy and all that into that image because it's going to help communicate when you only have you know five six words because we're you know we're changing into this new design and people don't have time to read you know and oh this is my favorite thing bullshit so i'm you know i'm reading this stuff right and then i start to see this thing creep up called long form Oh, so and yeah, I'm like, I'm form. thinking like, is this something I don't know about? And I'm like, that is such oh, a runaway trend. Just like regular freaking magazine articles and regular things that were longer than like I don't know, two hundred words or not about the Kardashians. It's like long form. Like it's this like, oh, I'm going to read some long form. I'll be back in two weeks. It's like. What the fuck? Like, it's a big fucking deal and you need a new fucking word for shit that's long because everything's so short and everything's Twitter and everything's, 
you know, hashtags and we don't even use complete sentences anymore and people are just communicating in emojis now. So there's, I mean, come on, as a writer, you know, you, I'm sure this has popped up way more in your world, right? Well, you're, you're right that, you know, uh, I, 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 you could argue that the email um, wave, the email revolution of the late 90s and early zeros created a sort of revival of writing. I mean, letter writing was in decline already, you know, um, and uh, it may have created a sort of revival in writing. And now I think meme pictures and emojis are kind of being used as substitutes for language in a lot of places. And, you know, I don't know um, the real effect. I guess it's easy to be a skeptic of it um, because, you know, I mean, I think animated GIFs, you know, that was it. I guess I kind of got... Remember, like, you know... That's the, waning, would you say? I, I agree. I, that's what I'm thinking, yeah. is that the emojis and the and the, the more involved versions of emojis, those those um uh, uh, messaging services that, whose basic concept, their basic, like, draw to people is that they have a lot of different emojis, like stickers or all these different things. Like, and, and that's become... Yeah, it, that's become more of a thing. But any of these types of things, I feel like... I feel like this type of thing as shorthand for expression to me yeah as a as someone who likes writing and language i guess i kind of see these as sort of shorthand that isn't very eloquent yeah i and i mean it's it's just kind of just coming off guard this you know this long form thing but you know i do when i'm browsing the internet and i'm looking at things and uh it's a longer article you know, and there are certain publications that sometimes I just think like, this does not need to be seven pages. Like you, you roll a lot. Anytime Rolling Stone is trying to make a point, they go on for a hundred pages on something. And I right? remember because like, I used to get certain, Rolling Stone magazine when magazines. I travel, and I'd be like flipping through, and even then I'd be like, "What? You've already said it. You said you know." And that's the other thing, right? It's like you know, you don't if you can say it in three hundred words, great, you know, and. If you need longer, okay. But I mean, if it's Hunter S. Thompson or something, it's fine. But yeah, sometimes you're just like even Med TV articles on Wall Street. A lot of them are good, but he really goes into a lot of details that would have been cut in other publications. Exactly, exactly. And it's just like just because you have the internet doesn't mean that you need to like over like bloat it up with right. Every and these things thing. will appear in print. That's you're the thing right. about There's writing. Been a prestige. Like, you know, trim it down, get the information out. You know, people are, are busy. So when, when if you don't grab me in that those first couple of paragraphs and I don't like your writing style, right, like, yeah. I'm not committing down that. I, I used to have you know, a lot more patience. Page two, click for sure. I'm with you. I, I used to have a lot more patience. I used to like, you know, read, you know, further into articles that I found, you know, pointless or, or, or illogical. But yeah, you know, you got to be able to bail, especially in today's information uh, economy, information landscape. There's no point in wasting time on something, you know, any substantial amount of time on something that you're finding to be a waste, you know. And I wonder with this long form stuff that, you know, there's like, yeah, there's a couple websites like Long Reads. And I think there is one called like Long Form. And, you know, like they have, you know, yeah, they, they, they'll, they'll like link, they have feeds where they link to stuff. And sometimes they'll just dredge up old articles. And as someone who read a decent number of magazine stuff and, you know, whatever, in like the, you know 90s you know what i mean like sometimes i'll be like oh that's just an old wired magazine article i remember reading it isn't even like very good yeah. but i read it and i mean you know i read it like you know 20 years ago you know what i mean like i feel like the it's like kind of like modern day like essayists 
You know, like, cool. Because, I mean, SAS never sounded sexy. And actually, when SAS came out, it was like, what? You can't write a whole book? You're just going to write an essay? Can't go short, folks? You've really kind of drawn a line to what, what I was kind of thinking about is that I wonder if there's a medium with this where books don't have to be mega long. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like I can see a situation where, you know, a book can be 20, 30, 40,000 words. You know what I mean? Like, um, I mean, there are plenty of books like that, but that's, that's, uh, that's like, there's a lot of novels, right? That'll go hundreds of thousands of words. And Sometimes people have that much to say, but, like, there's this kind of, like, sense that you have to, do you know what I mean, go on for, like, by some level, you know what I mean, like, and, and I, and then you hear about how, by different measures, reading is either going up or in decline, and you know what I mean, that, you know, it's, it, 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 there's different groups, but I think one of the things you hear is men don't read that much, and I think, there's, like, certain groups of people that read... Men don't read as much as women, I think, on average, especially, you know, adults. And and then I think you also hear, you know, it's like, I think reading is concentrated. I think there's a lot of people who watch TV and hardly read, really don't read. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. read, like, a forum they have to fill out or read the TV, you know, um, channel TV listing. Guide, a.k.a. Homer Simpson. <laughs> well, yeah, but, I mean, the, right, the, the Simpsons is, like, a, a 90s show. And the actual TV guide, if that's even published, I mean, I mean just turn on the, the satellite TV and just look at the TV listings on the on the, mm-hmm. on the direct TV page or whatever, you know? like Read but, the instructions on their microwave meal. Yeah, you know, people... <laughs> People, people are not like, I mean, I guess like, you know, like people will read Fifty Shades of Grey or whatever, but, but I don't know people, what I'm saying is there's, there's not that, it's a concentrated thing. Like there's, it's, it's like, there's, there's not that much of a, a market, um, in certain demographics, you know? So there's not too many writers. There's like people, uh that that venture into writing because think about think about like fox news people or like does larry the cable guy have a book you know what i mean like think about books like that like like think of the actual books that sell are not the books the the actual books that sell are not the books that you get like i don't i I don't know i guess the kind of people that are reading gonna read long form though are the the people that are reading books so fine i don't have to worry about this i'm kind of that's like a separate issue the main the issue though with long form is like i think it would be good for writing if books were um like allowed to be shorter not like some rule where you have to be short but you know what i mean like you can have a lot of indie authors you people could try could li- read more indie authors like first book or first few books or something more easily if they were shorter like do you know what i mean like length is something that the publishing industry might actually kind of be using i know there's a lot there's people in the indie world they're trying a lot of different stuff like there's people that are trying like episodic stuff um like where they write a book that's kind of like modeled on a tv episode and it's a certain length but then they and they give that one away for free and sell like a series or something interesting you know like but what about what about like if if books were you know what i mean like like a lot of big name published books you see on ebooks now the prices have kind of gone up like you see they can be up up, upwards of twenty dollars those used to be very 
before before that stupid lawsuit, before Apple got involved with that whole collusion thing and then the whole stupid lawsuit with it, the the market was pretty controlled by Amazon to the downside, which I mean was pretty good for consumers. I don't know, you know, like but now people seem to be able to be charging more, but like what about a response to that? As a response to the the prices being lower, you know, the books could be shorter. I don't know, you know what I mean? There could be more people reading different stuff and Instead of reading, like, old magazine articles, people could read, like, uh, a wider, you know, mm -hmm. group of, like, authors or, or stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I'm wonder. I don't know. I, I don't know. Because, cause like, you know, I mean, just, you know, old magazine articles and, and stuff like that, like... I'm trying to figure out if uh, if Larry the Cable Guy is a book. I just have this Google thing up. So. Well, I think that it would be nice to see success for authors in that shorter form. I mean, I've read some really great short books. Uh, usually they're in collections, you know, so people feel like they're getting a whole book, even though it's well, a bunch of little stories. That's the thing, you know, but they there's kinda books group. like... Right. Authors There's, together. There, there are but, some, right. But I mean, you know, again, if you're with our shorter attention span these days, and and also, I mean, the fact that we have our phones and we can, you know, read something while we're waiting in line for something or on the bus or whatever, you know, shorter things are good. But it, again, it, it really, I think, comes back to the content. If you have something to say and it's long or short or a poem or a song or whatever it is, then you know, create that. And I think if it's entertaining and it's engaging, you know, and there's there's a lot of great ways to market things. Um, I think we talked about um, the, you could get a free, you could get a, a copy of a book, but it was only good for 24 hours and it would explode from your Kindle or, you know, your phone. It would be erased, oh, you know. James Patterson book. Yeah, the James Patterson book. And there's lots of cool things you can do to kind of get people engaged in your in your writing but um i just thought it was sort of a an interesting little concept that's been floating around lately yeah yeah you know i mean i mean i think in a lot of ways the internet can can find um you know can be a good way to find a lot of uh creative work um and and you know in the case of some of that it's recycled um back into the internet like uh um you know uh uh, Larry the Cable Guy does have a book. Um, Just one. For, well, he has one from 2005. I'm sure it's like an evergreen. Like, what else do you need to say? It's called Get Er Done. Like, like, I don't know if it's if if it's about the version control system Git at all because it's spelled G I T dash R dash Done. Although, I'm not sure. I don't know if Git was even out in 2005. I don't know. Anyway, I don't think it was about version control. But like, he. Um, is, uh, apparently, uh, it's, it's, quote, talk full of fart jokes and straight talk about America. I sat down one day and said to myself, Larry, you've done it all. You've got three gold, I don't know, so I guess it's, unquote, it's, it's kind of like, sounds a little me megalomaniacal, but, um, yeah, so he, uh, he, he, he wrote a book, and I'm guessing some people bought it. So what I'm saying is that there is like a kind of 
vestigial function that some people have of like book reading and it's it's probably mostly accounted for by just gift giving by family members but like there's basically illiterate people that get a book as a gift well who are they going to get it from what are they are they going to you know are they going to have to you know their family members have such a hard fucking time choosing between a volume by Sartre and something by Camus that they're just going to go with Larry the Camel guy you know or something like that you know and like I mean You've been listening to the Pacific Pelican US slash 64 podcast, episode 143 with me, Dan McKeown, and with the lovely Jessica McKeown. Hi. And uh, we had one more app to cover. If uh, if you feel like we're talking about it now, or we could kind of save it for a later episode, uh, that coach.me app for the iPhone. Yeah, so it it seems like you can um, set goals for yourself. And there's all kinds of goals. There's personally grow, fitness, happiness, relationships, practice a skill, be productive, join a challenge. Challenges are really big, you know, these days to kind of get people motivated. And then, you know, you can go in there and um, join any kind of coaching and then they also have real live personal coaches that you can hook up with for $14.99 a week so I guess they're saying that most like a one session with a coach usually costs $150 but they're kind of giving you access to a network so you you pay $15 and you can use that coach in this coach so it's just like a gym right you know you pay your gym membership and you can do weights and you can go in the hot tub and you can take a Zuma class well, you know, here you can get coaching and all kinds of things and just keep people motivated and get people, you know, to achieve things. So it's kind of a, it's an interesting idea. You know, maybe especially if you if you really want to achieve something. Um, more and more research I've seen, you know, points to the success of accountability, you know, and having a network to help you uh, finish your goals. Cool. Yeah, I know a lot of people talk about the idea of, 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 you know, whether you want to just get to doing the thing or whether you need the help to figure out how to, you know, get yourself to do the thing. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a real interesting feel. So, oh, cool. Cool. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So, you know, you can like check into a challenge, like here's the mindful eating diet and it says, you know, uh, follow this diet by, use, by using at least one mindful eating technique during meals. For example, put your fork down between each bite. So just little thing. There's five thousand people that have joined, and um, there's you know like you can kind of I'm sure build community, invite friends, cheer each other on. A lot of apps have that sort of challenge aspect or yeah. you know community, but they've taken the community to the next level. So at first it was just like yeah we're all here in the community doing stuff, but now it's like well now that we're all here. And we're all interested in the same things. Let's, you know, drive it towards some action. So that's kind of interesting to see it shift in that way. Um, I just 
I haven't done anything yet, but when I, I'll do one, and then on the next podcast, if I'm invited back, because I can tend to be a wild guest sometimes, um, I will report on it when I thought about it, if I achieve my goal or not. <laughs> cool. That's awesome. Uh, we will definitely look forward to that. Um, all right, and... For uh, those of you listening, uh, uh, you can, uh, y- you know, uh, you can promote the website on your social media, you know, link to djmcloud.com slash 64, you know, or the podcast website. And then um, you hear people on a lot of podcasts say, um, they ask their listeners to leave reviews on iTunes and leave, you know, nice high star ratings on iTunes. And I'm not sure, you know, how much iTunes visibility factors into relevance these days, but I guess it's still definitely part of the formula. So, uh, you know, if you, uh, if you want Jessica back on, Mm -hmm. then please, uh, you know, help spread the word about the podcast and you know who to who to send it to you probably don't you probably don't need to share this podcast on facebook uh you might want to and maybe you're i think you're showing a high opinion of your family and friends if you do that but you know uh if you if you like listening to the podcast maybe there'll be someone else that uh that identifies with some of uh some of the themes that we that we've covered like um you know so, so quality soundboard clips like okay if you are an alcoholic you need pizza and um no beans <laughs>